What's up, everyone? This is the Next Tape Podcast, episode eight, with Mikhail and and Tamika, where we have conversations on different topics. So today the leaves are falling, um, and it's windy, and it's really, 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 really windy in Canada, guys. Uh, don't you agree, Tanika? Um, yeah, I definitely hear the wind out there. <laughs> so yeah, so autumn's here. Well, autumn's so what are been we... here for a bit now, but oh, oh yeah, for like yeah. a month. <laughs> it came early. It came early this year, to be honest. No, it came the same day. It always does. No, no. Yeah, it's like a lot colder. It, well, we're talking colder. official. We're talking talking about the weather. That's one thing. But mm-hmm. officially, we have official day for when the seasons change. Oh yeah, yeah. And that obviously. was I think the twenty first or twenty second of September or something like that. But yeah, but like it got colder way before that day, though. Like it, yeah. Like this year, this week was weird because it was warmer this week, mm-hmm. and then it's gonna get colder. So true, true. Yeah, true. That's true too. It's anyways, a weird week for Canada, but welcome yeah. to Canada. That's what happens. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But anyways, what are we talking about today, Tanika? So today we're going to be discussing the influence of the media on juries. So we're going to be talking, you know, the history of juries, kind of where all of this started. And Mm. we're also going to be talking about three cases in particular, where we really saw maybe how the media and how just people really influenced the decisions that happened in these particular cases. That being the OJ Simpson trial, the murder murder trial, as well as the Depp versus Heard trial. Three huge trials that happened in the world, and especially the murder and the Johnny Depp trial was more recent. So it was huge during that time. Okay. All right. Lead the way. Yes, I'll be leading the way for this episode. First, we're going to talk about the history of juries and where it came from. Mm -hmm. So, juries were first introduced in England about 800 years ago. Most of the population lived in small villages, right? So when people served on a jury, they would know the individuals that were being tried in the case. It was actually something that they needed. Whereas nowadays we kind of know that juries need to be impartial and not know the people who are on trial as well as the case itself, um, which is sometimes a little difficult. Um, so, um, Over time, in both England and in America, the concept obviously changed. Mm -hmm. So to assure fairness, jurors were supposed to be more neutral with little or no knowledge, like I said, about the case. Um, But today, that's a little difficult. Does Does that mean in like, you know, in general, such as Canada and America or just... uh... Oh, yeah, Canada's the same way. 
Yeah. 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 A lot of what I'm reading is more pertaining to America, but our jury juror system, jury system, as well as the American jury system is very similar. Um, You also need to be impartial, not have knowledge, which is Mm -hmm. sometimes very difficult to do. Right. Um, So today, like I said, that's a little more difficult due to mass communications. Jurors once again often know facts about criminal defendants and their alleged crimes before hearing any evidence in a court, which is not great. Yeah. Um. So does this intense media coverage influence jurors and how they decide on a verdict? Well, yes, it definitely does. Um. A recent study has concluded that, quote, there is substantial data in this as well as other studies to demonstrate the pretrial publicity prejudices, jurors, Mm -hmm. and um, there is little reason to believe that this prejudice is removed from jurors um, when they hear testimony and reach a verdict. So this suggests that, you know, heavily publicized cases like the ones we'll be discussing in a bit um jurors may ignore the basic principle of criminal law and that is that a person is proven innocent until or or seen innocent until proven guilty until proven guilty yeah right so for those who don't know what prejudice means it's basically a preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience so that's what a prejudice means. Yeah. And prejudice doesn't just mean in a criminal setting. It's also something that uh, you need to be careful of in a civil case as well. Um. So what is an impartial jury? Well, impartial jury means a fair jury. Someone, as we've mentioned, who doesn't have knowledge of the defendant, of the case itself. Mm-hmm. And is able to make a decision based on the evidence that is allowed during trial. Now, that's also very important because during pretrial, that's the time where mostly usually is a time where evidence is brought forward and also then can be eliminated, can be struck from the record. And a juror has to kind of pretend that they didn't see that, right? There are some times where juries can be told to leave the courtroom, but if evidence has already been presented, it's kind of hard to pretend like it didn't happen. So that's also part of it. So in 1807, this is now in America, Supreme Court Chief Justice John Marshall sat as the trial judge in Aaron Burr's treason case. Now, for those who don't know who Aaron Burr is, he is the person who killed Alexander Hamilton. For those who don't know who Alexander Hamilton is, I advise you watch Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. Please. <laughs> Please do so. It's mm. not... What's that, what's that, what, well, it's, what's that about? What's Hamilton? Hamilton? So yeah. basically... Hamilton is about, um, which we're actually probably going to be talking about in a future episode. Um, but Hamilton is about, um, Alexander Hamilton and his rise to what he became. There's so much 
about Alexander Hamilton that I didn't even know. I feel like the world didn't really know. But it's basically this person who came from the Caribbean islands who should have probably not lived to even end up in New York City. And he's one of the founding fathers, but he's one of those founding fathers that's not like talked about very much. But just to put it this lightly, what Americans see today when it comes to um, the financial, like the banks and the credit Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, that's Alexander Hamilton. He's part of that. So he, uh, he was a lawyer. Um, and he worked alongside, um, President Washington during the war. Um, he, I think he was like his writer of, of, or something like that. Um, but that's just the basics of the Hamilton, the play. Um, again, that's something we'll probably discuss in a future episode. I'm not going to skip anything away there, but that's basically it. So Aaron okay. Burr, as happens in the play, um, mm-hmm. shoots and, and uh, shoots and kills Hamilton in a duel. So, oh, oh yeah, the, yeah, the duel With, when you just like you go side by side in your back, and then you go side by side and you count to ten, okay. and then ten you turn steps, around, you turn right, around. right, clap, boom, boom. Okay, basically, <laughs> um, it happened in New Jersey where it was legal in New Jersey. It wasn't legal in New York, mm-hmm. so they had to go to Jersey and do it there. Um, rumor has it that Burr did not wait until 10 to shoot Alexander Hamilton. Uh, okay. um, wow. Mm-hmm. And despite the play, they made Aaron Burr look like he felt bad for killing Alexander Hamilton. He mm-hmm. was not. He did not feel sorry for killing him. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um. So, yes, Aaron Burr was uh, tried for treason, which I did not know about um so before we i'll I'll talk a little bit about the treason case just so we have that in context but um newspapers were covering the case and and, um it had spread many stories of burr's guilt burr's attorneys called on marshall to exclude jurors with knowledge or opinions of the case in ruling on this request, Marshall, who was the judge, wrote a carefully considered and surprisingly modern explanation of who can be on a, a trial. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, this was in 1807, where we didn't have social media, um, right. and this spread like wildfire. But again, mm-hmm. this this treason case that he had had was after he had killed Alexander Hamilton. So he's well known at this point. He was also, um, I think it says here, we'll get to it, but it says here that he was vice president at one point. I thought he was never vice president. Um, But again, if you've watched the play in any capacity, you kind of know why I'm confused. Apologize if I fall behind. Uh, mm. so at what time did he was he like vice president? Like during what term? Um, what time? Uh, it was Jefferson. Jeff- okay, Jefferson. Yeah. Um. Th- so the reason why I'm very confused with this is because I thought he never. So, for the history of how 
um, elections ran back then in mm-hmm. in America was whoever was runner up became vice president. It's not like today where where a president chooses who their vice president is. Back then, it was whoever the runner up was. Now, the reason I am confused is because Aaron Burr, yes, became runner up. Um, he didn't get enough votes. Hamilton did not, because Hamilton and Burr were supposed to be friends. Hamilton partially is the reason he did not become vice president or president because he voted for Jefferson. Jefferson and, and Hamilton hate each other. So it was a big thing. But um, Jefferson decided, I don't like you. I don't want you to be my vice president. So that's why I'm very confused because I'm like, I know the play isn't fully um, the best um, way to figure out what happened in history here. It's a play at the end of the day, but there is a lot of, most of it is correct, right? So I'm like, he wasn't actually vice president, but maybe I'm incorrect. Maybe at one point he was vice president. Um, but anyways, the, the, um, the history with this treason case, just so we are, um, understanding here, um, Burr was arrested in Alabama in 1807, um, which is a long story in of itself. So we're not going to go into it, but the brief version is that Burr was rejected by his own party, which is the Democratic Republicans, mm-hmm. for opposing Jefferson in the 1800 presidential election runoff in the House. Okay, so he was pissed <laughs> that he didn't win, felt that he should have had Hamilton's vote. He didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that caused a lot of tension. So this was four years before Hamilton's death. Um, and because of this, he was shunned by the Federalists and others for killing Alexander Hamilton in the duel. So mm-hmm. there's also that because he fled after um, he did that. Um, so what more kind of happened here was after the duel with Hamilton, Burr moved west to seek better fortunes, which included an independent military adventure to seize lands belonging to Spain and Louisiana and Mexico um, and Texas with a possible incentive offered to the Western states joining in the adventure. His activities, to a lesser extent, had been public knowledge since 1805. Wow. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. Um. So that's basically what happened, I guess, because that's seen as treason. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Treason's bad. Treason's bad. (laughs) Um, That's my understanding, is that that's kind of not, wasn't great. Um, Wow. So, yeah, I found found that interesting because I did not expect to see that at all. I didn't expect to see my favorite play kind of come into this at all. But anyway, it did. So I'm like, ooh, let me find out. Um, was was this play ever like you know played on our school talent show? Oh no, Hamilton's more recent. Recent, oh, yeah, yeah, Hamilton. I think Hamilton started in like twenty. 
I might be wrong with this, but like 2016, 2017. Oh, okay. And then it hit Broadway because it was huge and it was here in Toronto um, pre-pandemic, but then it stayed during pandemic because obviously it didn't go good. Um, right. So yeah, no, it's a huge play, but it's more recent. Hmm. Um, so then we see how things start to change with trials um, in 19 or in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. A sensational murder trial resulted in new rules for judges to follow to ensure that jurors are not prejudiced by publicity before enduring a trial. So this particular trial that kind of changed things a little bit, and we'll talk about those things that were put in place in a second. Um, mm-hmm. This trial that started, that kicked this off, was the trial of Sam Shepard, who was a wealthy Cleveland doctor who was accused of murdering his wife, go fucking figure, and mm-hmm. um, national press coverage became intense during this trial. Um, during the trial, reporters, photographers, and TV cameras continually interfered with the proceedings. The trial judge did little to weed out jurors who had formed opinions from the pretrial publicity or to shield them from the media circus that took place during the trial. So again, I feel like in the 1960s, this was something that probably didn't happen, right? This was probably one of those first times where this was starting to happen. Mm-hmm. TV is getting bigger during right. the 60s. Um, so they've probably never seen this before. So do you think, okay, back in the day, they listened to more public opinion back in the day versus now? Or, um, yeah. I mean, this might sound bad for me to say, yeah. but what I am going to say is you had, you had the men who are going to work and talking to their coworkers about certain mm-hmm. things, but in particular, women, we like to talk. And I feel like it's women who are always more drawn to true crime type stuff. I feel like that's mm-hmm. probably always been the case. Yeah. So you have women who are going to be talking to their friends who don't have a job to go to because fuck the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you have these women who are going to talk about the sensational case of this doctor killing his wife. So yeah, I think it definitely happened, but it happened on a different scale than it happens today. Right. Because now you have people who are keyboard warriors who are going to go on to Twitter or Facebook or whatever and talk about these trials that happen, which is always the case nowadays. Um, So Shepard was convicted, but he did eventually appeal to the Supreme Court in the States on the grounds that he had been denied a fair trial. The court did agree. They and I don't disagree with this. It's unfucking fortunate, but it does. Uh, he had a case. Um, and the Supreme Court said the bedlam reigned at the courthouse. Basically, saying the press was insane. And the court held that when there is a reasonable likelihood that a fair 
fair trial will not occur, judges must take a le- must take legal steps to protect their courts from outside influence. The court then listed a number of remedies, which we'll discuss in a second, um, that judges could use to counter the prejudicial effects of publicity on jurors. So the thing that sucks about this, which again, mm-hmm. we will give them the benefit of the doubt because it's something they probably never encountered before, but what sucks with this type of thing is he appeals, he wins his appeal. What ends up happening is they have to go through a trial all over again. And that risks the fact that some juror is going to think this guy's innocent and you get a hung jury or you get a mistrial and you have to do this whole thing over again. It it puts a strain on the system and it also affects the family. So, yeah. But the remedies that have now been, been put in place after this trial is the following. So a lot of this, I think a lot of true crime people might know and understand, but we're, we're going to talk about it. So change of venue, which is basically exactly what it sounds like. It's a, you have to bring a motion where you are requesting a change of venue, which is usually something that you would do because, um, wherever a case has taken place, mm-hmm. um, they're going to potentially think there's a lot of local influence there who know about a case. So we're going to request a change of venue to go to a different jurisdiction that maybe isn't as influenced or have as much knowledge of this case. Now, right. that does not work in cases like the O.J. Simpson murder trial or the Murdoch murder trial. That doesn't happen because everybody knows about that type of thing. It might help on those smaller ones that we don't have as much knowledge on. Continuances, which is basically something that happens where lawyers will request a continuance to allow more time for whatever. But Mm -hmm. this is um, usually the defense asks for this. And judges will sometimes delay trials in order to lessen the heat of publicity on the jurors. Sometimes this works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but this can put a burden on the witnesses who are going to be testifying at a trial, um, whose memories may begin to fade, which is problematic. Um, and you don't, you don't want that. Um, but sometimes it cannot have any effect if they are their memories were jogged in some way of this case. So um we have no comment rules, which is kind of in the same way as a gag order. Mm-hmm. And gag orders do not happen very often. If they happen, there has to be a strong reason because it can affect freedom of speech. speech yeah. yeah, which is something again this is like I said a American article yeah. that I'm looking at, but that is the same case here. It's just, uh, yeah. That, that is another episode we should talk about as what? well. Freedom of speech. Freedom of speech? Yeah. Yeah, freedom of speech is so broad. I think people get twisted. Like, they twist the words of freedom of speech. Like, it has no consequences towards it. So That's exactly. Freedom of speech is something that people definitely use as a crutch. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, in certain cases especially when we're dealing with hate crimes or exactly. hate speech, 
Right. Your freedom of speech doesn't allow you to be an asshole <laughs> and a monster. So, true. yeah, I think that would be a good episode to to look at. Yeah. Right. Right. Go on. So, um, so another thing, which I'm not sure if it's something that we see here in Canada, but with the explanation, I I do understand, and I think it's something that we do have. Mm-hmm. But maybe the term is a little different, so I'm probably going to butcher this. It's called vor dire, which is most likely Latin. Um, there's a lot of Latin terms in law. Um, but this refers to the examination of prospective jurors by the judge and attorneys during jury selection. Judges will exclude those who have been overly influenced by pretrial publicity. Um, so in routine cases where this is used, um, questioning may be hasty and superficial. In high-profile cases, jurors may be required to complete lengthy written questionnaires as well as undergo extensive oral questioning um, in order to determine if there's any prejudice with a juror. Um, So that would happen, obviously, during um, jury selection. Um, uh, So instructions, which again is something that would probably come from the judge, um, and the judge will instruct them on what they should and shouldn't do, which can also include um, staying away from publicity, social media, stuff like that. Um, that doesn't always probably happen, but um, in more in those types of cases, yeah. the high profile cases that can happen. And then the next one, sequestering, which again, I think a lot of us know what that means. I, let's let's take it back for a minute. Do you okay. believe that a lot of like the high cases of uh, um, these high profile cases should be televised versus? Uh, do believe, yeah. Do you believe it should be televised or not televised? Because um, that's that's tough. It's really yeah. tough. Um, I because I think I I also do think when they televise it, they're looking for you know public opinion and you know public. I might be wrong about that, but you know, I think the reason that and again of a trial being televised is at the discretion of the judge. It's Mm. usually the judge who makes that decision, um, and. I think that the reason that they do, mm-hmm. it can be a multitude of reasons. And mm-hmm. I think they do this because they we feel as a public, we feel like we have the right to be involved in a trial. Right. Um, and again, that doesn't necessarily change anything. And mm-hmm. here's why I'll say this. Tell a Advising a, a trial, yes, can bring it out to the masses, but that doesn't stop anything. And here's why, because you right. still have a courtroom open to the public, unless sensitive topics, um, for example, um, uh, sexual assaults can be a reason why um, you would have a trial closed to the public if that involves minors, for example, the Paul Bernardo trial, that was closed to the public. 
because it was very sensitive. Um, for those people who maybe watched the investigation discovery documentary that was done, I believe it was last year, um, about Paul Bernardo and Carla Homoka, which again, um, we're not going to talk about too much, but for those who don't know about that trial, it's basically two fuck turds here in Ontario who decided that it was a good fucking idea to, um, kidnap teenagers, um, and rape them for his pleasure and then kill them. And this started with Homoka's sister. Um, mm-hmm. So for those who don't know that story, um, that was closed off to the public. There was a publication ban on that trial, on that case in general, right. um, which usually happens in cases with involving minors. Um, in this case, there were obviously minors. Um, and uh, I believe to this day, the people who had to see the video footage of what these monsters did to these children mm-hmm. ruined people's lives. So it's in cases like that, that that happens. Um, but on the other hand, it's like, what, what do you do? Do you not televise something because you want to keep it as limited as possible, even though everyone already knows what's going on? Or do you open it up and avoid the um, the backlash from people who want to see these televised? Right. Yeah. I do. I do feel like uh, Canadians kind of keep it more uh, in court than the Americans mm-hmm. do. Where not necessarily. I, really, because I have not never seen. I've never seen a Canadian one go lot unless you hear from the news yes but like oh i would disagree interesting i would disagree we definitely have cases that are huge and have media influence 100 percent. paul renardo's case was one of those cases for sure which is why there was it wasn't because it was involving minors Mm, right Right. so if it wasn't involving minors that might have been a different situation Mm but it was involving minors. So that's why it wasn't televised. Interesting. I don't remember a Canadian one being uh, televised ever. Um, we do have, we do have, um, but most of these things get aired on court television. Mm. Um, so I think we have an equivalent of that in Canada as well. Um, local, right? Basically. Just... Not local. It's not necessarily local. It's mm-hmm. more national. Um mm. So we've had, um, again, I can't remember all of the names now, but we've had, um, the guy who was killing gay men, um, in, which happened recently, um, uh, MacArthur, uh, is his last name, that fucking guy. Um, that was huge. That was a huge case. Um, that happened in the gay community in Toronto. That was huge. And um, that, that f- people in the States know about that case. It's a huge case. And then you also had um, this guy's name I cannot remember. Um, so I'm not even trying to say it. But for those who watched Don't Fuck With Cats on Netflix, um, that case involved a, a fucking guy who killed somebody in, I believe it was Montreal, somewhere in Quebec. 
Um, and it was a huge case here. It was a huge case here. And that happened, I think, in the 2015-ish, I want to say. But this guy was a monster prior to him killing um, that person. And um, and um, we, we won't dismember his body um, post-mortem. Mm-hmm. He was, he was, he was disgusting. So for those people, like for me as a Canadian who knew that story, watching Don't Fuck With Cats, which is something where I I don't want to go into that. It's absolutely horrible. Um, cause that does involve, um, cats. Um, I don't even want to go there. It was a horrible thing to watch, but I had a coworker who came to me and said, did you watch Don't Fuck With Cats? And I said, no, I have no interest because I feel like it's involving cats and I don't want to watch it. And she said, no, watch it. You're going to know what case this is. And I'm like, are you, what? She's like, no, you're going to know. Because everyone here in Canada knew about that case. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'll watch it. And when I finally got to the point of finding out who this fucker was, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my God, that's him. Like, I didn't know. Yeah, so we do have cases like that, for sure. Do you also remember the 2015 uh, car crash uh, with the Marco Musso? You're gonna have to tell me who that is and what the car crash was. So the so this guy was drunk driving. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. 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 I know exactly which case now you're talking about. Yeah. And he killed the grandfather and the three kids, right? Yeah. 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 And it was before his wedding. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I remember. And I remember got, that case. I think he got a light sentence. I think he got like. What, he, he he didn't get enough. Yeah. yeah, he got three years. And I mean, I feel like a discussion about our, um. Our um, system here in Canada yeah. and how we deal with trying cases. I think that's yeah. a conversation we can have as well, because yeah. it is so frustrating to me. Uh, our our system. That, you can even put that on a jury too. I'm like not being really. But, that, uh, go ahead. but again, here's the other thing too that. Mm-hmm which doesn't happen very often, but it obviously is an option. It's the defendant's right. You can decide to have um, a no jury trial and the decision is made by the judge. Right. So that can work sometimes in some people's favors, but I don't think that always works because you're hoping that a peer of uh, 12 people of your peers are going to see through the evidence and find you innocent so quit you but so wait wait. so muso was eventually sentenced to 10 years behind bars he was yeah 10 years yeah but still not enough though yeah still not enough though it needs to be a little more than that our yeah because i mean i understand he was under the influence but he made a decision to get into a car right and drive and he killed four people in one fell swoop. That's not enough. Fuck that guy. It's a horrible case here in Canada. Um, but um. And did you hear about the father last year? Which father of that guy? Yeah. What about him? No, no, no not the father of the the Marco Musso. The father of the the father of the the children. 
right? Uh, no. He, Why? He uh, basically um, killed himself. Yeah. Okay. I knew that was headed. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what happens. It's not the first time where victims, because the victims don't extend past the actual victims of a crime, mm-hmm. where those victims' families are so affected that that is what happens. Yeah. They lost all of their children in one fell swoop. All of their children were killed. I can't imagine. I wouldn't yeah. know what to do either. Yeah. If that happened to me, okay. God forbid. Same thing for me. Imagine like spending Christmas. Birthday. What is Christmas? What is Christmas? Yeah. What is what life after that? I can't even imagine losing children. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's insane to me. I can't, like, yeah, I know. I can't imagine. And that fucker got 10 years. So let's go back and talk about the sequestering. So basically the sequestering is, I think a lot of people kind of know, is when you are isolating your jury into one location. They can't leave um, during the trial. Um, and during that time, they're usually eliminated from um, media newspapers as well as talking to their families friends that's usually what sequestering means now the problem with sequestering is that they only sequester during during the week on weekends they are allowed to go flee and do what they want and then come back i never knew that until more recently that they're actually let go on weekends so how is that eliminating the issue? Interesting. Yeah. So then with restricting um, the press, so judges have occasionally attempted to restrict the press itself, um, which, yes, they can do. They can say, like, Listen, we don't want any press in here. They can try to limit that, but it's not, it's, it's hard to do because the press technically should be allowed in there. And even with, we use the example of the Paul Bernardo case, the press was still in there. Even though the, um, the, the trial was, it was a publication ban on certain things and whatnot, the press was in there. Again, something you didn't know unless you've watched the documentary. There was people of in there of the press that were, you know, talking right. about things that they were allowed to talk about. Mm-hmm. The publication ban did not extend to. So, for example, when we're talking about um, limiting the press in, in a jury trial, um, in 1975, Edwin Charles Simance please how you say his name, who really gives a shit though, um, was arrested for murdering six family members, including small children. Fuck this guy. Um, and this happened. Ugh, oh, fucking, I hate these cases. Um, um, this happened in Sutherland, Nebraska. So to counter the potential prejudicial effects of pretrial publicity, the judge issued a court order that prohibited any reporting of Samantha's statements 
to the police or others, including what had already been presented Mm -hmm. as evidence in pretrial hearings. So they did that. Um, I don't think this guy deserves a fucking fair trial if he really did kill small children. So fuck him. Um, uh, no, any anyone who are family annihilators, which also then includes small children, can fuck all the way off. Because I'm assuming this guy is a family annihilator. Exactly. Um, so fuck him. Fuck, yeah. fuck anyone who kills children. Kills children uh, or, you know, touches them in a different way. Yeah, yeah. they or, should be uh, under the prison. Yeah. Yeah, it should be in prison, including like, you know, um, I, I'm not going to say the the R word, but you know what yes. I mean. Including, yes. including people. That's who, why I said sexual assault or yeah. say SA. Yeah. 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 So. Um, yeah. So I, I can't stand family annihilators, um, which is, you know, these fucked hurts. But anyway, in, right. in summary, basically the U.S. courts in particular, um, have long recognized the potential dangers of publicity in criminal cases um, when jurors are exposed to news reports. They may prejudge a case, which is, I think, understandable. I think that's human nature. Mm-hmm. We judge. We judge the fuck out of people and mm-hmm. fuck out of situations. That's fine. Um, but it's not fine in terms of jury. Um, right. So... Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is that there is that mention of the First Amendment, which is the free speech um, mm. uh, uh, right. Um, that is always like the situation here of, well, you know, it's our right to talk. But not when it comes, it's very difficult to have that implemented in such a way where it doesn't affect a court. So, and it's also very interesting because it's a case that I'm actually not talking about here because I didn't mention the cases we'll talk about. But in cases of certain situations where you have the actual defendants doing it themselves, mm-hmm. for example, the staircase trial involving Michael Peterson, who was, um, a, you know, said that he potentially killed his wife. Um, but it was the defense's case that she fell down the stairs. Um, I'm not going to go in depth in it. It is a huge, huge case um, that if you want details on it, it it's a great case, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's, I hate to say my favorite case, but I think the reason I'm so fascinated by this case is just the complexities of it, mm-hmm. um, as well as when they have um, Lee, who is, I say Lee, I can't remember his first name right now, but um, he is a blood spatter expert. He's incredible, in my opinion. I know some people don't like him. I know that's also junk science. I understand that. But it's fascinating to see this trial and how you know, the times also, because mm. this was back in the early aughts. Um, and as well as just, this is a fucking guy who, in all honesty, is a narcissist, to be real, mm. who brought the media coverage onto himself. This this case happened in Durham, North Carolina, which, again, 
I don't know what's going on in Durham, North Carolina, but y'all crazy. There's mm-hmm. so many cases that yeah. come out of Durham, North Carolina. Um, yeah. And I don't know if there was a heavy, like heavy publicized case prior to him bringing on a production crew to film this Netflix documentary, mm-hmm. which actually I think started off on YouTube and then Netflix took it on. Um, so what do you think? Like, I want, I want your opinion on this. What do you think about studios, uh, biopicking and, you know, biopicking, uh, cases like, you know, such as like, you know, OJ, such as like, uh, um, the, the, the Chicago trial seven. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about that? Because like a lot of the studios don't get like, you know, permission from, you know, from the families or permission from, you right. know, right. Yeah. Um, so what I will say, for example, when it comes to, which I will reference a little, a little later, for example, the O.J. Simpson case, where they did the people versus O.J. Simpson, mm-hmm. um, and her family, and because he killed two people, killed his ex-wife, as well as her friend, which we'll get to in a second, um, neither of the families were involved in this. As far as I'm concerned, from my understanding, they were not involved in the making of that. I don't know how I feel, especially also we can say even something a little more current because that um, a series, I think it was, is not as current. But the Jeffrey Dahmer case, that's a little more current. Yeah. The families were never involved in any mm-hmm. of that. And, no. and he killed both 17 people. Yeah. Um, None of them were involved. Yeah. And again, some of those people couldn't even really get covered because again, 17 people is a lot of people to cover in a mini series or whatever it was. Um, So they really only talked about certain things. And then not only Mm -hmm. that, they also showed him as this person who was capable of loving somebody um, which I think was definitely very problematic um, for the family. So, although as a viewer, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's it brings awareness. Great yeah. to watch. It's, yeah, but again, as someone who knows the story, um, again inside and out, um, and watched this, I'm like, some of the shit is wrong. Yeah, and I don't care that he maybe had some sort of a heart and was maybe falling in love with his victim who was deaf and mute. I don't care. I don't right. care because at the end of the day, he still killed him. All it ended up doing was warranting, I think, the emotion that the production wanted, which was tears of this sweet man falling into a trap with this fucking guy. And I don't think any of that is even true. I don't think Jeffrey Dahmer was ever capable of growing feelings for anybody. I just don't. Sorry. And there's, there's no one we can ask because well, both victim and perpetrator are dead. So there's really no one we can ask those Mm -hmm. things to, but I think I think in some cases it can be done really well. Right. And I think in some cases it can't be done very well. For example, 
the Michael Peterson case. Um, they did do a, a show about it. Um, I think it's called The Staircase. Um, and uh, Colin Firth plays Michael Peterson. I thought it was actually very well done. I thought that they kept it as close as possible to the story and what happened. I thought it was very well done. I learned things in that that I did not know before that actually is true. Um, but, and I thought Colin Firth did a fantastic job. I felt like I was staring at the fucking guy. It was incredible. But I think those things don't happen very often. So, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's move on and we'll have a little bit of a discussion about um, these different cases that we're going to talk about. Again, we're yeah. going to keep it very brief because mm-hmm. some of this is so convoluted. Um, right, yeah. so we'll keep it as brief yeah. as we possibly can without taking anything out. Um, mm-hmm. And we can have a discussion about each one. The O.J. Simpson Simpson trial is what we're going to talk about first. Yes. So so this was a criminal trial of the former college and professional football star um, Mm -hmm. who was acquitted back in 1995 of the murder of his ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, and her friend, Ronald Goldman. Um, So again, when we say friend, it actually was an acquaintance we can go into a little bit of the theories of why he also killed Ronald Goldman um, in a second. But um, so as we know, I think as most people know, this was the most notorious criminal trial in American history. So let's go through a little background here. What happened? Yeah, so, I, I remember media was all over this. Yeah. Uh, remember the car chase? Well, we were very young when this yeah. happened, right? I was four yeah. um, when the trial happened. You would yeah. have been like seven. So yeah. you were very young at the time yeah. and probably didn't care. But these are all things that later on in life we've all seen. Yeah. Um, but yes, I'm going to talk about the car chase in a second. So yes. um, on the night of June 12, 1994, Simpson's ex-wife and Goldman were stabbed to death outside of her condominium in Los Angeles, and Simpson quickly became the prime suspect. I wonder why. Rather than surrender to police after being notified of impending charges, on June 17th, Simpson hid in the back of a sport utility vehicle, which let's call it what it is. I think it was a Bronco, Um, driven by his friend A.C. Collings, I think is his name after being told that simpson had a gun to his own head this fucking guy law enforcement officers followed the vehicle at low speeds for over an hour um the attempted escape was televised live nationally seen by an estimated 95 million viewers okay 95 million viewers Wow. And hundreds of Simpsons fans that, lined the that, streets in support of him. Of course, they fucking is, did. That, that's pretty, pretty that's nuts. That's image, nuts. Image, image that in the social media era. Right? <laughs> you Now you have streamers who could be like, because again, they said like his fans were lined up like 
you know, so in support of him, you mm-hmm. just needed one person with a cell phone and that was it. That's it. It's going to be that mm-hmm. number would have grown. That wouldn't have grown. Yeah. Um, so it ended at Simpson's home in Brentwood, California, where he was placed under arrest and taken into police custody. Now, here's what I'm going to say. This guy was never going to kill himself. No, no, no. This was all a publicity stunt. Yep. I fucking hate this guy. Um, <laughs> so, um, so Simpson, he was formally arraigned on July 22nd, 1994, entering a plea of not guilty. And the trial began on January 24th, 1995, with Lance Ido as the presiding judge. The Los Angeles District Attorney's Office, led by Marsha Clark, famous Marsha Clark, and Christopher Darden, um, emphasized the domestic violence that had occurred prior to and after the Simpsons' 1992 divorce as a motive for the murder. So let's briefly talk about that very quickly. So... Nicole Simpson was, well, you know what? Fuck that. Nicole Brown. We're not going to give her Simpson's name. She doesn't, he doesn't deserve that shit. Nicole Brown was, um, violently, um, beat down. She was, uh, experienced domestic violence at the hand of her fucking husband, um, at the time. And she reported and reported it so many times nothing happened which is very interesting to see because here we're talking about a white woman who was in a relationship with a black man and that normally doesn't happen but here's why if this was different and he wasn't a famous black man it would have been very different Mm -hmm. and i think that would have been very much deserved because he was doing this to her um so there are photos i'm sure you can find on online of the right. abuse that she experienced um and it was horrible and nothing was being done she eventually obviously filed for divorce they have mm-hmm. children together as well i want to emphasize that he does have children from a previous relationship as well because he cheated on his his former wife with nicole brown you want to get into it but um yeah he he has i think two children with her um so yeah, they filed for divorce. He obviously was pissed. Mm-hmm. They were, and this is from his words, because again, we can't confirm this with her, but there apparently were talks about them getting back together, but I don't think that ended up obviously happening or at least happening in the way that he wanted. So mm-hmm. when he probably showed up to her home that night and possibly was stalking her, let's be real, because I think that was happening as well. Um, he found yeah. her with a man who she was not sexually involved with mm-hmm. and he thought the worst and killed them. I want to emphasize that Nicole Brown got the worst of it. Um, where I think there is rumors that she was nearly decapitated. Um, so there's, there's that. Um, so, um, the attorneys representing Simpson, known as the quote-unquote dream team, fuck this shit, included F. Lee Bailey, who dream again is the dream team. That's oh, what they, they refer to them as. Wow. So they refer that basically that, well, if everybody want to know what the dream team was. Um, I know. Was, yeah. yeah. 
Team yeah. USA, 992, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, Larry Bird, I believe. And uh, more, there's more players because yeah. at the time they were all like, you know, all stars. Well, and, that's a uh, natural dream team, whereas the, yeah, this, they're clearly this, playing this, on the sports yeah, aspect of things. And, yeah, yeah, it's dis- yeah, disgusting in my opinion. So, like, 100%. 100% yeah. these guys are fucking horrible. Um, Effie Bailey, who is pretty well-known attorney, um, Robert Blazer, Sean Chapman Holly, Robert Shapiro. Mm-hmm. Can you tell my side because I hate him? And then this fucking guy, Alan Durkovitz, who was also involved with um, um, Epstein as well. Interesting. That's this guy's a fucking mm. douche. Yeah. Um, and Robert Kardashian, which again, if you watched the OJ Simpson um yeah. mini thing, uh then you would know Robert Kardashian was also involved in this. Um, because he was friends with Robert Kardashian and mm-hmm. the family. There is that famous rumor that Chris mm-hmm. Jenner had yeah. an affair yeah. with OJ Simpson. Yeah. yeah. Um so yeah. Johnny Cochran, who has since passed away, um, was then brought on and he was brought on as the lead attorney because he was black. And the thing that's funny to me with this is O'Shea Simpson as a black man thought, you know what, let me bring on a black lead attorney who can make me um, feel look more innocent to my peers who mm-hmm. obviously he was trying to get the sympathy of the black jurors mm-hmm. and black community. Exactly. Yeah. OJ Simpson is a kind of person who, and we don't know it's for sure, but definitely rumors. This person would try to shy away from his blackness as much as he possibly could. So it was very interesting that this person, um, knew what to do and knew what to lean on which was let me lean on my blackness because it's those people who are going to equip me and support him and support him which angers me in and of itself Hmm. because again just because black people i'm speaking to you just because (laughs) someone is black and is being tried for something heinous you gotta stick together doesn't mean he's innocent because he's black. How could he ever do that? Right. It's ridiculous. Like right. it's, it's horrible. Yeah, it is. Yep. And we've seen that and it has not changed. We've seen it with R. Kelly. Yep. It has not changed. I don't yep. give a shit how black R. Kelly is. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? He wasn't targeting white people in the same way that OJ Simpson obviously killed his ex-wife who was white he was targeting people who look like me but it's okay right okay and it's frustrating to me but we see it with him and i'm just like this is ridiculous i don't care because guess what guys he was singing songs about underage girls but we want to support him yeah it seems just about right yeah it's angering yeah yeah (laughs) Well, that's uh, you know what? That's another that's another story too. So we're gonna 
not mention that. Yeah, I don't know if I want to talk yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, at least right now, I don't want actually. To. Let me actually let me ask you this. Okay. Can you can you separate the talent from the person? Um. Yes and no. And here's why I say this: someone like R. Kelly, who it he called himself the Pied Piper, mm-hmm. which is um a figure in storybooks right. where the Pied Piper would lure children mm. away from their homes. Right. It's very hard for me to, and that was self-proclaimed. That wasn't something someone else did. R. Kelly self-proclaimed himself that. Um, so it's hard for me because there are some songs that it's very clear mm. he was singing about children. Mm. At the end of the day. Now, yeah. am yeah. I still bump into ignition sometimes? Yes, I am. <laughs> and you can try your best to remove yourself from it. But yeah. It, it's yeah. very difficult because yeah. not only was he a singer, he was also a songwriter. And I think we yeah. talked about this actually in a previous episode mm-hmm. where I mentioned You're Not Alone, who which was written by R. Kelly, sung by Michael Jackson. It's an amazing song. Mm-hmm was written for one of his victims. So it's very hard for me to sometimes remove the art and the person hmm. when he is singing about his underage victims. Well, yeah, or his I victims was, in general, I should say. Because yeah. he didn't just have underage victims, he had um, legal yeah, victims as well. So, um, so it was very tough. Yeah, I know a lot of people who find it hard to separate the talent from the from the person. My friend, me and my friend were talking about that yesterday, and he said, "Yeah, because uh, uh, he listens to Kanye, right?" Oh, that's a person I can't listen to anymore. <laughs> yeah, so basically, he he says like, "Yeah, I can separate the the talent from the from the person." Maybe you no. can. And yeah. Connie is a different situation because as far as we yeah. know, he hasn't committed a crime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to this degree, anyways. Yeah. So yeah. that's maybe a little easier because for him it's more about the mental. He's mentally ill. So that's yeah. a little different. And not to say that R. Kelly wasn't mentally ill. He's mentally yeah. ill. Yeah. But instead he took his mental illness and and, yeah. and put his- it onto other people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because again, if, again, if you've watched any of the documentaries about mm-hmm. this case with R. Kelly, um, it it's something that unfortunately he experienced himself as a child. Right. But he wasn't the only one. He mm-hmm. had his other his brothers were also experiencing sexual assault. Um, and they never and they, never and they did, did never. not do what he did. Yeah. Now, they, are they innocent? No, because one of his brothers was literally giving an interview from prison. So mm. no, they are not innocent, but they were not mm. doing what he was doing. Right. He unfortunately did that way, mm-hmm. which is a fact that can sometimes happen. But I think with R. Kelly, he wouldn't have been able to do what he was doing mm. without the entourage that he had that was protecting him. I so agree. there's also that aspect of it as well, which yeah, is talking just, a whole other topic. Yeah. Yeah. This also falls OJ, if people who are fans of OJ, you know, do you separate yes, the talent? Yes, he had an art. He had an art, yeah. he had a talent, um, and he's talented. Yeah. In his 
But that doesn't mean we can ignore the fact that this guy, just because he's good at throwing a ball, a ball mm-hmm. 20 yards or whatever the fuck, mm-hmm. doesn't then take away from the fact that he killed his ex-wife. Right. He left his children orphans because at the end of the day, they lost their mom. They lost their dad too. Mm-hmm. So it's selfish. But then again, this is a person who figured, I am OJ Simpson. Let me, you know, pump my chest up and mm-hmm. I get what I want to get. Mm-hmm. I want her back. So then if I can't have her, no one can. That's basically what this came down to. He's a fucking monster. Yeah. And that monster is out free somewhere. Let's remember yeah. this. He's tweeting. He's, he's tweeting. living out in Vegas somewhere living his best life, tweeting yep. about Carol Baskin killing her husband like yeah. he didn't kill his wife. Yeah, and tweeting Fuck about you. football football recaps as well. Well, it's not, it's not tweeting anymore. It's Xing. Xing. Fuck Elon <laughs> Musk. Um, <laughs> I fucking hate Elon Musk so much. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. But yeah, like this guy is out there free living his life because a jury of his peers said he was innocent. And we'll get to that in a second. We'll, we'll, we'll talk very briefly about um, right. how that happened. I hate it so much, but we're going to talk about it. <laughs> um, so basically, the defense really hung on the fact of um, racism. The police mm. were racist. Society is racist. And this is why they are targeting O.J. Simpson for the death of his wife. Why are you pulling a black brother down? <sighs> I hate it so much. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk and at the end of what I think was so beneficial to this case um, when it came to the race aspect of things in a second, just so we can kind of get some context as to what we were dealing with at the time mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. Um so um so yeah that that was happening with that and then then the famous glove the famous glove oh yeah that, which was been... has to this day still been used in just modern day language it's still being used yeah means yeah uh, which we'll, we'll get to but yeah. yeah, so the glove, it was argued that this was Simpson's glove that he used, that he dropped down at the crime scene. Um, but the defense argued, but it can't be his glove because it's too small. It yeah. can't be his glove. It's impossible. So mm-hmm. what did they end up doing? What did fucking Johnny Cochran end up doing? Well, this is what he ended up doing. He said, you know what? My client's going to put that glove on and we're going to we're going to figure this out once and for all, whether or not that's his glove. So what did OJ do? He put the glove on and it did go on. Okay. It did go on his fucking hand, but because it was too small, then it can't be his glove. So guess what Johnny Cochran famously said? If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. And it's mm-hmm. stuck. And that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. This man got acquitted on the fact that the glove was too fucking snug on his hand. That's basically all it came down to. And it's like, mm-hmm. 
you don't think he could have just used the glove anyways? Mm-hmm. Come on. This yeah. is so fucking stupid. Uh, God, I <laughs> hate it. Yeah. So, anyway, that's basically what happened. Um, so, the trial itself lasted more than eight months and had 150 witnesses testify. Simpson himself did not testify, which is not a normal thing. It's probably usually for the best that the defendant does not testify yeah. at his own trial. I didn't know it was that much witnesses that testify. That's a crazy. Lot, a lot, a lot of witnesses. Um, so let's talk about the media and how this affected the trial. Um, right. So many cable television networks devoted long stretches of time to speculation about the case and to public opinion of it. Belief in Sim- Simpson's innocence or guilt was divided largely along racial lines, which we've discussed. Um and uh, millions watched the television proceedings of the trial throughout the day, and the major figures involved in the case became instant celebrities, including the judge himself, which is the one of the speculations as to why the judge opened this up to the media to be televised is because maybe the judge wanted to become a celebrity. So that was one of, we don't know that for sure, but it's a speculation. Um, So then on October 2nd, 1995, the jury finally began deliberating and reached a verdict in less than four hours. Four hours, which isn't good. That's not good. That's not good for prosecution. Yeah. It's not good for them, but it's going to take that long or that short of time. Um, So, yeah, it's mentioned, obviously, on top of this segment, he was found innocent or acquitted of the charges. Um, And as we've kind of talked before as well, um, we did talk about the fact, I think, I think in a previous episode where they did do a civil case, the family against OJ, but the burden of proof is so different in a civil matter than it is in a criminal Mm -hmm. matter. Um, And uh, he was found criminally responsible um, in a civil case uh, of the murders of Nicole Brown and Ronald Goldman. And the family was awarded $33.5 million in damages, which to this day, wow. they have never seen. No, really? Never seen. Because he has to make money for that to happen. And he's not making money. He doesn't have to. Mm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So any job he were to do, anything would go to the family. Mm. So there, that's where the other trial kind of came into effect because he was trying to move assets, which is a crime. You can't do that. He was trying to move assets around um, to not have it in his own name because he has or had memorabilia that he could have sold and it would have gone to the family. But he found ways around that, which got him a 30 year sentence that he didn't serve all of, um, obviously. And yeah, he, um, so that's what happened. He wrote a book, which, um, I don't think was ever something he got proceeds for. So that again, never went to the family, but he wrote a Mm -hmm. book saying, if I did it, I believe is what the book was called, where he basically outlines, well, if I did kill my wife and her friend, this is how I would have done it. He basically confessed in his fucking book. 
Interesting. <laughs> um, a man's just teasing on the, in his book. I hate him so much. Um, I mean, he. Is, I think he is earnest on top of income because he's on Twitter. So, sorry, doesn't not Twitter. Doesn't mean he has to X, be earning. Who X. cares? Doesn't mean <laughs> he's necessarily earning anything because those those um those things stand. They don't go away. He owes the family this $33.5 million in damages um, that, I, from my understanding to this day, they have never once seen a dime of. And whenever this man makes money um, mm-hmm. um, or tries to profit off of the case or whatever the case may be, he mm-hmm. is that is owed to the family. Hmm. Families, I should say. Okay. So... Yeah. Okay. So I think again, this is a case that if it weren't for his celebrity mm-hmm. and it weren't for the media coverage of it, maybe we yeah. would have gotten a different result from Yeah. You would have it would have went to a different result. Yeah. In my opinion. You wouldn't I don't think you would have been free I don't right think so. now. I don't think oh. so. Um so again, just wanna briefly discuss so that we can kind of gain some context for the times that we were living in back in Mm -hmm. 95 um there was a trial that took place shortly um um this well this trial took place shortly after what was the 1992 los angeles riots where commentators agree that the defense capitalized on the anger among the city's african-american community towards the lapd which had a history of racial bias um, to convince the majority black jury to acquit Simpson. So there was, I believe it was, I think his name was Rodney King. There was a huge um, racially driven case that happened involving this person. I don't mm-hmm. know a lot of details about it. Um, I feel it's something that maybe we can do for a future episode because yeah. um, we are going to be doing like a Black History themed um, month in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So it's something we can talk about Definitely. then um, where he was literally like beaten down by the cops and um, it was horrible. So the, the, the fence really piggybacked against that mm-hmm. happening, which was just mere years before this particular trial. So the next case we're going to discuss, and we'll try to keep this as brief as possible, but um, the Maradon murders. So for those who don't know, people living under a rock, Margaret Murdaugh, who's 52 years old, and her son, Paul Murdaugh, who's 22, were found dead on their uh, 1,700-acre property where the family um, has a hunting lodge. So they were survived by their two family members, her husband, Alec Murdaugh. You know what? Mm-hmm. Fuck it. Alex Murdaugh. I don't give a shit. I'm not saying his name the way it's supposed to be said. Alex Murdaugh. Yeah, I'm pretty and, bad with name guys. So. <laughs> no, no, no. I know his name is Alec Murdaugh, oh. but it's literally Alex. So oh, I don't okay. Care. It's, yeah. it's, is it a different type of Alec? Or is it Alec with a C? Or no, Alex no, it's with Alex. Alex. It's oh, okay. Alex. Alex. Okay. But it's for some reason they say Alec or Alec mm. Was this a also was this a show on CBC as well? Like Murder Murdoch Mysteries or something like that? Or no 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 no. no. 
is that different? This is completely different. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so um, basically this happened in South Carolina where the family, the Myrtle family, um, has a heavy influence in the community. They have been practicing law there since 1910. So we have three generations of lawyers, including Alex himself. So we need to do a little bit of the back history with this because there's there's maybe a reason why. So before we get into the reasons and history here, Obviously, I think most of us probably know that Alex Murda was found guilty of killing his wife and his son um, in recently, in recent trial, which was mm, 2022. So Paul, who is one of the victims, um, he was awaiting a trial in connection to a 2019 boat crash that left a 19-year-old woman dead. Um, so he was dealing with that in the background prior to his death, um, where he potentially could have served a life sentence for the death of this woman uh, who he was a friend with. Um, and uh, he was driving under the influence, driving this boat. He owns this boat, or his family owns this boat, was driving this boat, crashed while under the influence, Everyone on the boat got hurt, including himself. But this particular woman who was involved in this uh, didn't have a seatbelt. She flew off the boat and she drowned. Um, so that's kind of the history there with that. So again, if you want any, like the ins and the outs of this case, I advise watching the Netflix um, documentary, The Murdoch Trials. There's two seasons. It goes very in-depth with everything, which is we can't get into here, but it goes very much in-depth with everything involving this case. Um, so then after the murder of mother and son, on September 4th, 2021, news broke that Alex had been shot. We'll get to it. I don't think a lot of us know um, kind of what was going on there. Mm. Um, so they did find out, though, that this wound was a superficial wound. He was shot, I believe, in the head, um, but it was superficial. So then... There was yet another twist in this matter that on September 7th, so prior to the sh this shooting of Alec Murdoch, um, that his firm that he worked for confronted him about missing money. And this happened on September 3rd. And the amount of money that was missing was $1 million. And they confronted him about it because he took the money. So we'll explain here at the end kind of what was going on and what a lot of the, you know, you know, theories were with this. Um, and then uh, after this shooting, 
that happened um, involving just him, which they were trying to make it seem that maybe they were coming for him after the death of his mother, uh, of his wife and son. Um, he received $10 million in life insurance. Okay. So there's a lot of this convoluted kind of happening. And again, I'm doing my best to make sure I don't miss anything, but mm-hmm. this is so convoluted. There's so much information. Um, because then it came out that guess what? The person who shot him was this guy named Curtis Edward Smith, mm-hmm. who was allegedly hired to kill Alec Murdoch by Alec Murdoch himself. And there's also the rumor that they're actually cousins, distant cousins, but cousins nonetheless. Um, so, of course, this dude denies that he's actually supposed to kill him. He says, I was only supposed to stage a situation according to him, what was told to him by Alec Murda. Um, So that basically happened. And then it was found out that... <laughs> More, Alec Murda had a drug addiction to opiates and um, and he's also depressed, two cures. But yeah, he has an addiction to drugs, which kind of ties into the money missing at the firm. And then this life insurance payout. Again, there's a lot of situation here. There's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to keep stressing watch the documentary um, so that you can kind of have the understanding of how convoluted this family is and how convoluted this case is. Um, So soon after this, um, Alec was arrested in connection to the shooting incident that happened um, that he staged. So he was arrested for that. Um, and then uh, he was also then arrested for insurance fraud, a conspiracy to commit insurance fraud, and filing a false police report, because he filed a false police report. Um, so then on September 15th, the uh, SLED, who is the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, um, announced that it was also opening another investigation into the 2018 death of the Murdoch's housekeeper, Gloria Satterfield. So again, it goes very much in depth in the documentary on that case, but it was starting to be speculated that she was killed, even though it was staged to look like an accident. Um, and it was kind of put out there that maybe she was killed by Alec Murdoch because she was getting close to his drug addiction that he wanted to keep hidden. So that was being opened up again so not going to talk too much more about that again if you want more details than that i advise watch the documentary um so then on october 13th alex murdoch was revealed to be a person of interest in the murders of his wife and his son Mm. finally um the guy who shot him was also arrested on the same day Mm. um so we have a lot kind of going on here and again all of this is in the news all of this was happening. Yeah. Everyone in the news knew what was what was going on, and you couldn't get away from it. November 18th, 2021, a grand jury 
charges Alex Murdaugh with 27 counts of financial misconduct. So that's only pertaining to the financial aspect of things, um, pertaining to the money laundering, laundering, I believe. Um, see if I can figure out the, some of the counts that he was charged with. But yeah, so that involved, oh, here we go. So he was indicted. Um, again, in connection with the alleged eight-year money laundering and painkiller ring with a former client of his. Um, so, yeah. In total, at this point, he had 81 charges at that point. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, That's a so, lot. A lot. So then he was indicted for murders of his wife and son um, on... July 14th, 2022. So just so people know what a grand jury is, because I don't know if everyone knows what that basically is. A grand jury is a group that examines accusations against a person charged with a crime. And if the evidence warrants makes formal charges on which the accused person um, is later tried for. So that's what a grand jury is. And then we start finding out what happened in the murders of his wife and his son. And it was said that he lured his wife and his son out to the place where he then later killed them. He basically, in a sense, hunted down his wife and his son and killed them both. Um, Again, if you want more ins and outs of that documentary, I'm going to keep saying it. Um, But there was a lot of video evidence. There was a Snapchat video that um, Paul had done prior to his death. Um, that was a timestamp because the times, the timeline is very important in this case. He lied about his timeline of where he was, what happened, stuff like that. Even himself, there was a photo taken um, where he was wearing a different shirt than the shirt that he was wearing when they found him, like when they talked to him after the death of his wife and son, um, which he said, I never changed after dinner. I just, I went to go see my my parents. Well, then how are you wearing a different shirt then? So, um, so there was a lot of that. Again, this was a televised trial. So all of this is out there mm-hmm. and people have this knowledge of this. Everyone has their opinions that he killed his wife and son. And again, I want to stress, I believe he killed his wife and son 100%. And he got the verdict he deserved, um, which we'll talk about in a second. But yeah, that everyone had an opinion. And if it didn't end up the way that I think people expected it to, it would have been bad, I think. So February 23rd, 2023, um, he actually took the the stand on his own defense, which I said before in the O.J. Simpson case, it's not unusual for a defendant not to take the stand. In this case, he did. And here's why I think defendants tend to do this. Not to say that O.J. Simpson isn't a narcissist, because he is, but I think we find a lot in cases that a narcissist will take the stand because they think I can convince a jury that I'm innocent when they do the exact opposite happens 
every time. And this also is in cases where a defendant thinks that uh, they're their best lawyer and they never are, which we'll talk about, I think, in a later episode. Um, we can talk about an instance where we've seen that happen. Um, so, yeah, he took the stand and he said, you know, my addiction evolved over time and I did all of this stuff. And yes, I did this and I did that, but I didn't kill my wife and my son. I didn't do that. But yet you've admitted to a courtroom that you lied. So then how is anyone supposed to believe believe you in anything? You're you, you fucked your everyone's view of you at this point. Mm-hmm. So, there's a lot of that happening. So um then on March 3rd, 2023, Alec Murdoch gets two life sentences for the death of his wife and his son. Um, he, so this is still ongoing, this particular case. Mm-hmm. He is deciding to appeal the verdict. I don't know what grounds he could appeal his verdict, but he might be able to appeal to the verdict when it comes to the media being involved and that causing an influence on the community. He could also then um, say he didn't get a fair trial in that case because of it. That's a possibility. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's going to say, but that's a possibility that he could say those things. Um, but again, as I've said, I feel like he got the verdict he definitely deserved. I believe he killed his wife and his son. He's disgusting. Um, and I think the reason is very simple for the reasons why he did. I think he did it to mm-hmm. get the money to um, to be able to keep his addiction going. I think also he played onto the fact that his son, Paul Murdoch, was in his own trial coming up and used that to the effect of someone came who hated my son for that incident and they came and they killed him and my wife because they were together. So I think that was the reason why he did that. But again, I, it would be kind of interesting to kind of see, because again, this trial was televised. If mm. it would have been, if it would have gone differently, if this case wasn't so in the media and so prevalent in, in, in society during this time. So again, I said it was last year. The trial was actually earlier this year. So um, I would wonder if it would have been different. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. The last and certainly not least, there are so many cases where we could talk about, but we're going to stray away from the murder and go into domestic violence instead. So, um, so defamation case between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Um, this was brought due to an um, op- op-ed that uh, Amber Heard had done. I believe it was in the Washington Post that Johnny Depp felt defamed his character. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk very briefly about this to kind of be like, is this defamation? We'll see. So, um, just to kind of go into it, 
the trial did um, go in his favor. Um, it was a unanimous vote, a rule that mm-hmm. ruled in favors and Depp in favor, in favor of Depp, Lord Jesus. Um, but so we're going to talk very briefly. We we tend to not talk too much about people's personal lives yeah. in this podcast, but it is somewhat prevalent to the case. Right. So um, Depp and Hurd's relationship began more than a decade ago. They met on a movie set um, and their relationship slash their marriage did become very toxic. Um, the couple did split in 2016 and then the battle and they battled in court over this op-ed that she did again, like I said, in the Washington Post, I did get that right back in 2018 in which she described surviving domestic violence, but she never once mentioned Depp's name. So my question is, is this defamation? Well, no. Defamation needs to include the person for which you are defaming. Mm-hmm. And she never once said, oh yeah, Johnny Depp is, a, is an abuser and he's this and he's that, which then would have defamed his character. Now, can someone read between the lines? 100%. But you can't sue someone for reading, for potential people reading between the lines. That's not defamation. Mm. I don't want to defend her, but that's not defamation. Because I, if, if I, just based on what I said here, I clearly shows you which side I'm on. But I'm also then going to talk, not really talk about, but I'm going to say this documentary as well, that versus heard on Netflix, is actually very insightful. I felt, and kind of, I kind of came out with a different opinion mm-hmm. after watching the documentary because I never watched the trial, but watching the documentary i thought huh okay and i'll talk so, about that in a second so what do you okay so what do you think about people who are on amber side because there are a lot of people who are on amber side than um depth side i think um, no that's because, not true that's not true yeah not, I, I, yeah well basically there she has fans that are on, there, she has fans that are on her side oh for right? sure I've seen, she I've, definitely I've seen it. has people seen on her it. side I'm not saying that she doesn't, but when I am yeah. saying that it's not true that there's more people on her side over Depp's side, that's not no, true. No, 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 that's not true. I no. mean, like, I mean, in a way that, like, what do you say to to those people, people? who are fans of Amber? Mm. Um, so what I will say here is yeah. that I think it's very difficult for society to blame a victim. Mm-hmm. And to not believe a victim, especially in the times that we are in, we're in the Me Too movement, we're maybe a little more post-Me Too movement at this point, but right. we're in that movement. And it's we don't want to say that a woman lies about domestic violence or sexual assaults or mm-hmm. any of those things. We don't want to say, but I think we have to remember that although nine times out of 10 women don't lie about this, and right. need to be believed first and foremost. Mm-hmm. There are women out there who do lie now. Do I think mm-hmm. Amber Heard was lying about everything? No, I don't think she was lying about everything. But Amber Heard is not innocent. She abused him mm-hmm. just as much as he abused her. They abused each other. 
Yeah. I, it's what I believe. Mm-hmm. I think there are certain things that she was correct about. I think there are certain things that he was correct about. But then I think there are certain things that they both lied about for sure. Um, do I think Johnny Depp's issues were fueled by his abuse, uh, by his uh, um, drugs and alcohol uh, abuse? Yes. I do yeah. wonder if things would have been different. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's no secret that Johnny Depp has definitely suffered with his addiction to alcohol and drugs. Right. It's no secret. Um, so Depp sued for $50 million, which he did not get. Um, but the jury unanimously, unanimously, unanimously I can't talk today. <laughs> <laughs> that heard could not uh, substantiate you... her allegations against Depp and that she knew her claims of abuse were false when she mm-hmm. published her 2018 essay. The jury determined that Heard acted with actual malice when writing her op-ed. The jury right. awarded Depp $10 million in compensatory damages, which we will define in a second, and $5 million in be- punitive damages in his defamation mm-hmm. suit, which we'll also um, do in a minute as well. Heard had countersued. Mm. So for those who don't know what countersuing is, it's basically, as it sounds, a defendant sues a plaintiff in, within the same action. Um, so she countersued for $100 million. $100 million. Oh, wow. She did not get nearly close to, um, and said that she was only ever violent with Depp in self-defense or defense of her younger sister. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. not not fully the truth here. Hmm. Um, punitive damages, um, basically, so we understand what that means. Um, are damages assessed in order to punish the defendant for outrageous conduct? in order to reform or deter the defendant and others from engaging in conduct similar to that, which formed the basis of the lawsuit. So punitive damages basically is you've been bad, so I'm punishing you. That's basically what that means. Um, and then compensatory damages is to compensate a plaintiff for harm, injury, other losses caused by the um, the tort, which is the action, uh, conduct of another party. It's basically all that is. So it's basically as it sounds. So um, the jury found that Depp through Waldman, I think was his lawyer, anyway, defamed Heard on one count. The jury awarded Heard $2 million in compensatory damages, but zero in punitive. So just to preface... Johnny Depp won $15 million in total. Heard won $2 million. It's a complete washout. It's a complete washout. So just so we can give a little bit of a timeline of them and kind of what happened. Again, I'm going to keep it brief. I don't want to go too much into their personal life. But um, in 2009, this is when Depp and Heard met each other while filming the Rum Diary movie which I've never seen nor heard of. Um, and that's basically when they met. They did not start dating, though, until 2012. So three years later, he was mm-hmm. actually married when he met her. 
not going to talk about it. So in 2014 is when they were engaged. And in 2015 is when they got married. Okay. Mm -hmm. 2016 is when Heard files for divorce and was also granted a temporary restraining order against Johnny Depp. Um, And in order for her to get this restraining order, her claimed that Depp had thrown a phone at her, leaving her bruised. Now, was that determined to be true? No, that was not determined to be true. They have the video of this. The thing that's so perfect about this trial is there's so much video slash audio footage of their arguments um, that I think definitely helped Depp, but I also feel didn't help him at the same time. Um, definitely saw a side of Depp that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. I will say that for sure. And I love Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. But I did not like what I was saying. Um, so, so you you watched the the trial from? from I didn't watch. The, I didn't watch the trial. I watched the documentary. On oh, the documentary, I didn't mm-hmm. know there was one. <laughs> yeah, it's on Netflix. Step versus Bird. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's it was pretty good actually. Um, so yeah, so Heard said you know during the entirety of their relationship, Johnny Depp. Um, was verbal and physically abusive to her. Um, she said that he had a short fuse and that he was often paranoid and his temper is exceptionally scary, she says. Um, so sure, I, 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 I don't know. I can't speak to that. Um, I wasn't with him. So, <laughs> um, so then in 2018, as mentioned, she wrote her op-ed in the Washington, Washington Post and um, was at the heart of this defamation lawsuit. Um, and she wrote in it, I became a public figure representing domestic abuse, and I felt the full force of our culture's worth, wrath of women who speak out. Because again, she was speaking out against a beloved actor, right? Mm. So, um, so as mentioned, Hurt's article mentions her experience of her abuse. From her childhood to adulthood, uh, sorry, to adulthood. Um, but it did not once include Johnny Depp's name, as I mentioned before. Um, so where's the defamation? As I said earlier, I don't know. Um, so then in 2019, Depp sues Heard for defamation, mm-hmm. claiming that the post article was a ruse for her to, um, Gin up positive press for herself. Depp also claims that she is not the victim of domestic violence, but instead the perpetrator. I think that they both were victim and perpetrator in their abuse in their relationship, as I've mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, so then in 2020, there is audio of her allegedly saying she hit Depp, um, that she did hit him, and we heard it. She did say it. Um, and uh yeah, there's a lot more stuff kind of going on that we know about in this. Um Deb apparently brought forward that she was having affairs with Elon Musk, ew, and <laughs> James Franco. Now mm-hmm. that I can get behind. <laughs> um 
So yeah, there was kind of that going on, and then there was James Franco. James Franco didn't was he? he... I know he's problematic, but guys, he's my first crush. Leave me alone. (laughs) Okay, I know he's problematic, but I refuse. Avoid. Thank you. Avoid ladies. Avoid. Thank you. I know I avoid him. I know I get it. But I loved him as Harry Osborn, so it's really difficult for me. Um, Avoid ladies. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but um so yeah there was that and then he said that he lost his role as um Grindelwald in Fantastic Beasts for my Potterheads out there. Mm-hmm. Um and that was pretty huge. And I know for me, I never watched the more recent one because Johnny Depp is incredible as Grindelwald. Mm-hmm. Um so there was that going on. But she said he took with Grace, but anyway. Um, so then we have all of the trial that was happening and the, um, the trial itself happened and, um, Depp took the stand for four days, um, discussing all of the things that happened, all Mm -hmm. the things that she claimed happened, his side of things, the poop on the bed that we talked about. You know, there was that happening as well. Mm. And of course, a lot of us kind of already know her explanations. Yeah. Poop on the bed, it was the dog, you know, the dog. Nasty. Is tiny. <laughs> and that was no way that a poop that size came from a dog that small. Mm. So she's disgusting. And I right. 100% believe she pooped the bed. There's just no doubt. I'm sorry. I, I yeah. So again, the jury reached its verdict. They were out for about a day, I believe. Um, they started deliberations on May 31st, and they came back on June 1st with their verdict. And obviously we know Johnny Depp was a landslide. He won his defamation case. Um, so here, here's the thing. I do wonder because we did have the influence of social media kind of saying she's a liar. She's the one who did this. Johnny Depp is, is king. He can't, you can do no wrong kind of situation. You had women and men who were very much in favor of Johnny Depp. And I feel like there was just no way that a jury could have avoided this. Because again, the situation between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard was going on for years prior to the trial. Everyone knew, even if you didn't know the ins and outs, you knew that it was going on. And I feel like there's no other way that this trial could have gone but in Johnny Depp's favor. And I just, do I believe Johnny Depp is this abuser and she's this innocent person that she wanted the world to think no. And I've said this already. I think that they were both victim and perpetrator in their relationship. Because again, some of the things that was said by him was horrible. The way he acted was horrible. It would scare, I think, anyone. Um, but she wasn't innocent. So I think that's basically where this comes from. But I just Mm -hmm. wonder, like, (sighs) would it have turned out the way that it did if it weren't for this the media coverage, not only on news networks, but 
Twitter, TikTok, Snap, everyone Mm -hmm. on social media was covering this case, putting their two cents into this case. And that's how it turned out the way it did. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. A lot of interesting stuff during that case. So, like. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. But again, before we end it off again, if anyone wants any information, of course, there are tons of podcasts that covered, especially the OJ Simpson case, the Murdoch murders as well. Um, I'm sure there's a podcast out there that covered the Depp and Amber Heard as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, there's plenty of stuff, but if you want to watch anything, you can watch the people versus OJ Simpson that's on FX as well as you can get out on Disney plus. Um, it was very well done. I think, um, it was pretty good. So you can watch that. Um, just some filler stuff in there that no one needs to see, but you know, it, it's pretty good for the most part. Um, there is the Murdoch trial, uh, the Murdoch murders on Netflix, two seasons, very well done. You can watch that, and as well as the Depp versus Heard um, murder, the murder of God defamation trial that is on Netflix. It's very well done as well, and I would give it a watch. I'm done. <laughs> all right, everybody, go check all of that, all of that, every single bit of that content that uh, Tanika has uh, spoken to you guys about. Um, great episode uh we talked about a lot of things from you know from trials from the from um cases to uh from the oj simpson to the amber and depp uh trial or case if i believe am Mm -hmm. i right yeah it's everything Uh, yeah that's pretty much a lot of information that you guys (laughs) can consume yeah yeah so this ends episode eight of this week of the next take podcast. The next take podcast is available now on all podcast platforms. We are also have a website called solo.to next take podcast. And for contact email us at Tanika at gmail.com. So um anything else you want to say tanika um no i don't think so i think i've covered quite a bit and for my true crime lovers out there this was this was great for you (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, and also i apologize for not talking a lot this was tanika's episode to talk about maybe the next episode i'll probably talk a little more you know like yes and you, you do have uh, an episode coming up very shortly where I won't even be right. a part of. So, yeah. you know, yeah. you will definitely have lots yeah. more to say that I exactly be very mute at because I won't be a part of it. <laughs> exactly. Very special episode, guys. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. All right. So I'm Mikkel. And, and I'm Tanika. We are out until next week.